I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Go on, applaud you. Take your seats. Just a reminder, when we say the Holy Catholic Church, we're not saying the Roman Catholic Church. It means universal, historic, and ge uh, um, geographical across the globe. We're connected to that Holy Catholic Church. So today, I'm going to be looking at one particular part of this creed. Last week, Andrew Harris explored the nature of Jesus, that Jesus was fully human, Jesus, yet fully divine, God's Son, and as the God-man, he was unique and thus lived a sinless life, taking on himself the punishment due to us and then rising from the dead, rising from the dead, demonstrating once and for all that he was Lord, that he was the Christ, the Anointed One, and that as the Lord, he's worthy of our followership and devotion. And the stanza the line we're going to look at today, and if you need outline notes, that's why these guys are walking around, get them off them, is this one here. Jesus, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Now we'll have a whole week devoted to the Holy Spirit, the line that mentions the Holy Spirit later, so we're not going to focus on that him today. What we're going to focus on is that part, born of the Virgin Mary. Mary. So today, in a way, we're looking at what is normally called the Christmas story. We're doing Christmas in April. Turn to the person next to you say, Happy Christmas. You see, we tell this Christmas story at Christmas, but it's for all time, it's for all year, it's for all seasons, it's for all people. God came down miraculously, mysteriously to planet Earth to save us. So I'm going to read part of the Christmas narrative, the story. I'd like to read the two parts. In fact, I am today. I'm going to read them both because they say it so well. And I'm going to read it fast. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 23, and then Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. This is how, everyone say how. The birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The Virgin Mary will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, 
to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Or in one version says, nothing is impossible to God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. In the creed that we quoted, mentioned, nowhere in there does it mention wise men, or shepherds, or manger, or star, or for that matter, even Joseph. Not that they're unimportant, because they all point towards the central figure, they all fill out the story, but it's all about this redemptive person, Jesus Christ. And so what the creed is, in, in essence, is saying, you might forget all those other things around them, but don't forget this. You might forget he was laid in a manger. I doubt it, but you might. You might forget that his earthly father, if we can say it in that way, was Joseph. You might. And none of that will really matter to your salvation or to what we believe. But what you must not forget is this. The nature of his birth. That he was born of a virgin. If we forget that his birth is like no other person in history, then we lose the uniqueness of who he is as the one sent from God to save the people from their sins. If we lose the virgin birth, then we have no other means. We will struggle to find another means to find a way that says, Emmanuel, God with us, came into the world. Because, guys, if it's not a virgin birth then this is not a supernatural event. And Jesus ain't God. And Mary, if I may say, if this ain't a virgin birth, is a pretty little liar. And so is Jesus. And the Bible can't be trusted. And we may all go, why are we bothering to even be here? We may as well all go and make toast, whatever we want to do. Just, just don't bother if this story is not true. The story is not a science lesson. This is an account of events as they unfolded. Everyone knew then and knows now that the way children are made is in a certain way, but this one was unique. This one is like no other birth. And lots of theologians have tried to explain it away. They go to great lengths to explain it away why it's not really necessary that it was a virgin birth. Some effectively say, well, it's just a metaphor to describe how God could bring his son into the world. It's, it's like providing a child to a previously childless woman. I mean, God's done it before. That's what's happening here, they say. So it's like Abraham and Isaac, Abraham and Sarah, when they were given the birth of their son. It was like, 
It was a miracle. She was childless. Or it's like Hannah in the Old Testament who wanted a son and prayed and God heard her prayer and gave her Samuel who anointed David as king. Or it's like the one that's mentioned here, Elizabeth, who was old in her old age. It's just the same with Elizabeth and Zechariah. They were in their old age and God gave them, God opened the womb. And so they had a child. It's just the same for Mary. Uh-uh. It's not. Mary, remember, was probably only about 15 years of age. Probably. Mary, remember, wasn't fully married. She was pledged, and so she would have gone completion to, to marriage, but they'd not consummated their marriage. There wasn't this joining together. She had not even been trying to have a baby or probably even hoping to have a baby at this point. She was a virgin. So the virgin birth is not a metaphor for God giving a child to a childless woman. The virgin birth is a miraculous event in history that brought God into the flesh. God with us. And what Matthew and Luke are doing here, what we read, they're just simply reporting the facts. They're just telling the story. Mary had not been with a man. This was a miraculous overshadowing of the Holy Spirit to birth the Christ child within her. Her response to the announcement of the angel is, how can this be? I've not been with the man. Even Mary is mystified as to how this event is possible. And that's the reason for this. And this is what it comes down to. And this is the simplicity of this message. We must never lose the supernatural element of the virgin birth. I mean, in your notes, it's just that. The virgin birth is supernatural. You can't find a way to explain it. Like Mary says, what's impossible with man is possible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. And the virgin birth reminds us simply of this. Don't ever forget it. We serve a God of miracles. This side are really responsive. I'm going to come over here. We serve a God of miracles. Wow. That's that's the God we serve. How many of you in the room right now are in need of a miracle? Just stand to your feet. You need a miracle. Go on. Isn't it good? We serve a God of miracles. You're in the right place. I could have asked you to come forward now, but I'm going to ask you this. At the end of this service, when we sing our last song, the prayer team and some others of us are going to come out here and we're going to pray to the God of miracles for you. It's not going to be a counseling session. All you're going to need to say, if you want to, you don't even have to say what it is, because guess what? God knows, even if we don't. You can just say, I need a miracle in this. Or could you just pray for a miracle? And we're going to pray for you. And believe God to touch you in your body, in your mind, in your finances, in your family, whatever it is. Why? Because we serve a God of miracles. Did I hear an amen again? And again? And just third time. Because we serve a God who is Trinity and third time lucky as well and all of that. So take your seats. We're going to pray for that at the end. Don't write me a letter about that. Now in the midst of all this supernatural activity that's going on, I just want us to consider for a moment Mary. And Mary, in this context, she was very, very normal. 
So whilst we want to elevate, and we should, the supernatural, let's not forget God's a God of the natural as well. The natural ain't evil. It's just the natural is often inadequate. We need the super to come to it. But it's not evil. God loves the natural as well as the supernatural. And although this is a supernatural birth, there's an awful lot of natural stuff that's going on around it. And I want to mention three things. Firstly this. The Bible does not teach that Mary did not have a normal, natural delivery. She gave birth in the normal way. Now, some of our Roman Catholic friends have taught that Jesus was not born in the normal fashion through Mary's uh, birth canal, that somehow there was some kind of supernatural C-section that went on. Honestly, this has been taught. The Bible doesn't teach that. Look at the verse I put in your notes here. Prophesied from Micah. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son. She went through the normal process of labor and bearing a son. It was natural in that way, painful in that way. Those of you that have been through it, I've suffered long and hard with our children's births. It's just natural and normal. The second thing is this the birth does not teach that Mary, the Bible rather, does not teach that Mary remained a virgin for the rest of her days. Now, I need to be really careful here because I should have said this before I came in. What we mustn't do in looking at Mary as this natural, normal individual is fail to honour her. She is to be honoured. She carried in her womb our Lord Jesus Christ. She was chosen for that. So, Please, I think our kind of churches have gone the other way sometimes. We don't worship her. We don't think she's a co-redeemer. But she is a woman to be honoured above all women. So we respect her and honour her. But it does not teach that Mary remained a virgin for the rest of her days. That's called perpetual virginity that is taught in some places. The Bible makes it clear that Joseph was a very devout man. And that he never had sexual relationships with her until after the birth of Jesus. So Matthew chapter 1, 25, he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to the son and gave him the name Jesus. But after that, they had at least, I've got lots of verses that can back this up, but you can check it yourself. Just Google the, 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 the sons of Mary and Joseph. There are at least four sons. Half-brothers of Jesus. Now, the way others have tried to explain that away is they say, oh, well, Joseph was married before because he was probably an older man, which we kind of get from the fact we don't hear much about him. Actually, and he may have died quite early on and Jesus may have been the head of the home, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of stuff we don't know. It's conjecture. But some would say that because he was married before, that he had children with a, a former wife and therefore Mary never had sex or any other children. But it's clear in the Bible, like what Billy Graham used to say, the Bible says, and it does say, there were four other brothers, Mary was their mother and Joseph was their father. So we don't believe in the eternal virginity of Mary. It's not supported in the scriptures. And then the third and final one, and then we'll focus here a little bit, is Mary was never sinless. In contemplating the mystery of God choosing Mary, our tendency is to think this. Mary must have been wonderful, devout. A girl who was 
clean and pure. And I can understand how the thinking went that way because she was seemingly special. And that's good. She was. But others have gone to another step then to say, well, she must have been sinless because like Jesus was born of a virgin, there was the immaculate conception which is taught about Mary. She was born without sin and in a supernatural way. Not, the Immaculate Conception is not about Jesus, it's about Mary. The Bible doesn't teach that. This is what the Bible does teach. Mary was not chosen because she was special. Mary was chosen, Mary was special rather, because God chose her. Did you hear that? I'll say it again, say it right. Mary was not chosen because she was special. Mary was special because God chose her. Now, we still live, and and I can feel it in the spirit when I say these things. We still live in a trying to earn favor of God kind of way. So if I can just be good enough, God will use me. So Mary must have been good enough so she could be used. I'm sorry. You're not good enough, and neither was Mary. She was special because God chose her, but that's what made her special. It was the grace of God. Hail Mary, full of grace. It was God's grace. It wasn't that she earned it. She no doubt was a pious, godly young woman. But it wasn't her godliness that made, oh, I'll choose you because you're better than everyone else. She needed a savior, which is revealed in a beautiful song. God has a long history of choosing ordinary and unlikely people like Mary. Hello? And that's important. Because we can rule ourselves out and rule others in because they're special. If you're chosen of God and God has a habit of choosing the most unlikely, the most ordinary people and using them. If this was the only story in the Bible that tells me that, I'd be worried. But just think of these. Moses in the Old Testament. Moses who was going to lead the children of Israel out of captivity. Do you know what Moses was? A murderer. He had an anger problem. He killed a guy and buried him and tried to cover it up. And God used him. You know what Moses was? He couldn't speak. He he said, something he stuttered. We don't know. He said, but I'm slow of speech. I can't put my words together. So God provides him a brother, Aaron. He says, I'm not quick-witted enough. Aaron will help you. And the two of us together. He was not special. He was not up for the task. But it was God's choosing of him that made him special. God is the main player behind the I am. He's the I am behind Moses. I can't. Moses, I can't. God says, I am. And that's the provision he needs. What about other Bible characters? Isaiah. I sw- basically, Isaiah says this. When, the angel co- when God comes to him to commission him, he says, but I'm a man of unclean lips. You know what that literally probably means? I swear a lot. No need to respond to this, but some of you here have a problem with bad language. You need a call from heaven. Join Isaiah the prophet. He probably had Tourette's where he said the most inappropriate words at the inappropriate time. I can't speak. I'm just swear all the time. God uses him. What about Jeremiah? I'm just a kid. I can't speak to the nation. I'm just a child. And God uses him. And we could go on and on. Peter. The one who denies Jesus becomes the spokesman on the day of Pentecost. And on and on and on. God constantly uses inadequate, ordinary, weak, 
human beings. So you're in on this. You're in on this. My favourite is David. In the period of the judges, the children of Israel asked for a king. And God decided, because they wanted a king, advised them against it, okay, you can have a king. You choose. And it says they chose a king, his name was Saul, who was head and shoulders above the rest. Head and shoulders. That's not just a height thing. That's describing shoulders in the Bible is strength, head is knowledge. So I'm looking around, I'm scanning the room, and I'm not sure who might be the tallest individual. We'll have to go with male, because it's not, not you, Rachel Bryant. If you want to stand on your chair, you can. Okay? Rachel was horrible to me yesterday, and I told her that when I get up here, I have power. <laughs> Would you like to stand on your chair? You can be sore. Come on. Rachel is single. Oh, that one. Oh, can't mention that. Imagine, all right, just, just book yourself out a bit, Rachel, would you? Anna, just get ready, because I'm going to get you as well. No, no, I'm not, because you're nicer than that, Rachel. Uh, Rachel, imagine, just book yourself out a bit. This is Saul. Strong and intelligent. And that's the one they chose, the people chose. Guess what? You don't have to act too much. I'm speaking, you just stay there. So, he failed. <laughs> he didn't follow the ways of God. And so he was rejected for being king. You can sit down now. So God, through Samuel, said, we're going to anoint a new king. And the king was going to come from the house of Jesse. And if you want to read more on this, read a book called Leap Over the Wall by Eugene Peterson. And I've taken some of his stuff. And it says that Samuel would have gone to Jesse's house and asked for the brothers to be paraded. And, Jess, and, and Samuel would have had something like this in order to anoint the new king. And in this horn, and horn speaks of authority, permission. He's saying, I've got permission to do this. In this horn, he would have poured oil. Now, this is just happy shopper from Budgeon's olive oil, okay? And I'm going to put a little bit in there because we're on a budget and we don't want to waste it. But I'm going to fill it up with water. And what would happen was Samuel would come with the anointing horn and he would anoint to the full, brimming over, he would anoint the one who was going to be the new king. So Jesse called his sons. And so I'm going to need some volunteers. <laughs> you ready? And I'm just being led by the Spirit as we do this. So. <laughs> Jesse's first son that comes out, Exhibit A, is Eliab. Steve Cannon, would you please be Eliab? <laughs> and this is what suggested Eliab was like, first son. Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before us. Let's stay there. The eldest and most physically appealing of all the brothers. Known locally as Rocky. Used to get in his own way by brute force. And so, Samuel goes to him, looks at him, is about to anoint him with oil, but here's in his heart, no king-like material here. Not the king. Stay there, please. 
Abinadab. So the next, uh, uh, Eliab. The next one is Abinadab. Where should we go for Abinadab? Josh Drury. I'm afraid I'm... I'm going on the front row. Josh Drury is Abinadab. Slightly less rural than his elder brother, but still got a fine muscular appearance. High achiever known locally as the stag. A firm favourite with the ladies due to his caring and sensitive nature. Surely... <laughs> oh, been, uh, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But no. No king-like material there. Thirdly, let's move on quickly. Shammah. Who should we have as Shammah? Someone near the back. Anyone near the back? You want a young, vigorous man? Vigorous is a good word, isn't it? Oh, I'm going to have to choose myself then. Decker, you look... You, you were looking down, Decker, so as my eyes did not touch, reach yours. So perhaps this is Shama. Perhaps the most, listen, perhaps the most sophisticated of the brother, well educated, the only one of the brothers to make it to university, known locally as brains, able to talk himself out of most situations. Highly ambitious and desperate to improve himself. An ideal candidate. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. No king-like material here. And this is how the conversation goes. Samuel then says to um, Jesse, is there any other brother? Is there anybody else? And he's gone through all the brothers. He says, well, there is one. But he's a shepherd. That, that's a sign for smelly. Because shepherds are out with the sheep. And they talk like that. He's out in the shepherd. He's smelly. Oh, and by the way, he's also a musician. He's one of these arty-farty types. And he never turns up on time. I'm sorry, this isn't true of our musicians. I'll have you know, this was just what the Old Testament was like. And Jesus came and saved us. That's bad theology, but there we go. But he, no, he did come and save us, you understand, but not related to musicians. Anyway, move on. So Jesse says there's one, David. He said, go and get him. Oh, it says in the Bible that he was ruddy and handsome. Some interpreters believe that the word ruddy means ginger-haired. Do we have someone, ladies and gentlemen, somewhere who's got ginger hair? Because I'll tell you this, God is not gingerist. He ain't. My son's ginger. I'm proud of him. But why don't we choose Thomas Seeking? Um, are your parents in the room? So how old are you? 17, oh no. I think your parents will give me permission to pour this over you. It'll be fine. fine. All in favour, say aye. Aye. I'm not sure yet. I'm thinking about it. Because this... (laughs) Come here, come here. This is the point. They looked at him and said, no, 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 no. Can't be him. Look at these educated, godlike figures. Can't be him. Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) 
be him. He's too young. He's too whatever. And the brothers no doubt reinforced his inadequacies, the runt. The word that's used in Hebrew is a word called hakwatom. It literally means the runt. This is the runt. This is the, the youngest. This is the child. They make jokes about him. This is David, the shepherd boy. Have you had a bad day? <laughs> and they ram home his inferior status. And he comes in looking sheepish. Move on, move on. Welcome to Christmas. I told you it was pantomime. And he looks at him and he thinks, surely not. And then he hears a voice in his spirit. The Bible says that he would have whispered into his ear. The horn, remember, represents authority. The oil is the grace of God. It's not earned. It's God's anointing. He's not because he's special. It's because God's special and makes him special. It's because it's the same, hail Mary, full of grace. Same word. Hail, jo hail David, the grace of God's going to come on into anointing to be the next king. And the way it would have happened is he whispered in his ear and said, you will be the next king. You will be the next king. And then he would have been graced with the anointing oil. What do you think, baying crowd? Should we? And then I'll just pour a little bit. Then he would have anointed him. But don't lose this. <laughs> we nearly went down there then. Wow. Thanks for that side of affection. But don't lose this, guys, in all the laughter. And it's good to laugh in church. If you think we shouldn't laugh in church, this ain't the church for you. Goodbye. This is the point. Graced. And so are you. Ordinary! It's not your PhD. Well done for getting there. Hard work, I know. It's not your educational background. It's not your family line. It's not your bank balance. This is what's made you special. The grace of God. Yeah. That's called you. Yeah. That's chosen you. That through a virgin birth, the Son of God came to earth. It's miraculous. You're ordinary, but you're special. Because God has made you so. Go on. If to the rest of my days I remind you of this, when we walk out of here, we walk out knowing we're called, we're chosen. Because it's not exclusive. You're chosen for the sake of other people. David was going to rule for the benefit of Israel. So when we're chosen, it's not like, oh, I'm chosen, I keep it. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're graced to grace others. And we're anointed to heal our world. Musicians, would you come back? A round of applause for the... drama team. Father, we're so grateful that you called us. So grateful that you're supernatural. So grateful in our ordinariness that we can do extraordinary things. Grateful for your grace. You have 
graced every one of us. And we love you. Amen. As we sing this last song, which is a statement again of our belief, I'm going to ask those of you that stood before, maybe some of you didn't stand, but you are looking for a miracle in your life. We serve a supernatural God. You may have been prayed for a thousand times. Go for the thousand and first. There was a big, long delay before the Messiah came. People kept looking. Is he the one? Is he the one? And then there was one that was the one. The Christ. This could be your day. So those of you that stood before and the prayer team and others, Chris Webster's here and others, are going to just pray with you. You don't, you don't need to know, but if you want to tell us what it is, and we'll pray for a miracle in your life. And everyone agreed, said, Amen.